May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It's gold! It's, it's gold! Her voice bounced off the ceiling, the walls, and all of the unopened boxes in our brand new home in every room. It's gold! It was so loud and so well exaggerated that we could actually feel as if she was spelling G-O-L-D with every cry. We had moved four states over, and it wasn't just the distance, but we had entered into an entirely new reality. Kay would start at a brand new intensive care unit in a hospital she didn't know. I um, was uh, leading a church that was half empty of people and completely empty of funds. Clay, in just days, would travel 1,200 miles to the north to begin his first year at university. John would begin, well, middle school. But then there was Catherine Grace, who was entering high school. And of all of us, all of us, she felt, she felt the ground shifting beneath her feet more than any other. She finally appealed to her mom and said, if I could only get highlights put in my hair, then I think I would be brave enough to go to school on the first day at Monsignor Kelly Catholic High School. You know, all the Catholics have highlights. So her mother conceded, even though we didn't have any money, like we had no money. So they went to the salon unknowingly, and the stylist, well, shall we say, was um, overzealous. And the results were not golden. No, no, the results were golden. In fact, Catherine looked as if she had the gilded helmet of Athena atop her shoulders. <laughs> she held it together until they got home to a house that had been loaned to us, by the way. We couldn't even afford to rent a home. And she slammed the door on her house, full, on her room full of boxes, and went, It's, it's gold! This went on for hours. And finally, at 10 p.m., Kay, ever faithful, uh, at 10 p.m., she made tracks down to the Walgreens and bought some dark brown hair dye. And she worked her miracle. The next morning, um, Catherine Grace was still tremulous. But Kay, in just the way she does, said, Honey, just put one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. And by the time you come home, you'll have a host of new friends. Well, and one of the bravest things I have seen Catherine Grace do, and she's done many, she stepped out the door into that unknown high school that day, and she came home with so many friends she could not even name all of them. And some of them are still her dear friends today, 24 years later. She really did enter into a new reality. And as I think about those two brave 
women in my life, Kay and Catherine Grace. It makes me think about, well, two other brave women, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and John. Those two alone make their way up to Jesus' tomb on that Sunday morning, the first day of the week. Now, why do they go? Um, unlike Mark, uh, which is the earliest gospel written, which says those two women went to anoint the body of Jesus, Matthew has none of that. Matthew is very explicit. He says the two women made steps in order to see the tomb. In order to see the tomb. Well, what did they expect to see? Well, the gospel tells us in the 20th chapter, when Jesus makes his determination that he's going to begin making steps from Galilee to Jerusalem, he tells all his followers, to include the Marys, that when he gets to town, when he finally gets to the big town, the religious officials are going to arrest him and denounce him. And they're going to leave their dirty work to the Romans who will torture him and execute him horribly on the cross. But, but he ends, on the third day, I will rise from the dead. That's what the two women go to see. Now, it's... Um, a little disarming the way that Mary, the mother of James and John, gets there. So if you'll remember, if, you, if you're a student of the Gospels, right after Jesus makes this, this declaration, Mary sidles up to Jesus and says, Hey, you know, when, listen, when you, when, you, when you get into your kingdom, you know, when you finally take control of your kingdom, can my two sons be princes? Yeah. Can they kind of sit at your right and your left? And Jesus, you can almost hear him him kind of sighing through the pages of the gospel as he tells her she just doesn't get it. But later she must, because Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and John, those two alone, not a male disciple can be seen anywhere on the premises. Those two alone go to see, go to see if what Jesus has said has come true. Can you imagine the courage? And they get there, and there is a new reality. I mean, it hits them hard. You know, angels falling from heaven like lightning. Roman soldiers who yesterday looked, looked indomitable and so fierce are now falling over as if they're dead. And something like an earthquake really does shake the ground beneath their feet. The new reality has struck them in an incredible way. All because... All because they put one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other in order to seek faith. Now the women have given us our Easter instructions. They've given us our Easter instructions. You and I both know, I mean surely we know, faith does not, does not hit us up against, against the head like a foul ball at the Little League, Little League Park. Faith does not come out of left field. No, faith comes when we dare to step out. That's when it comes. That's when it happens. 
Um, one of the oldest archbishops, Anselm, the great intellect of the medieval period, who was Archbishop of Canterbury in the 11th century, made a, a statement which resonates with us today. He said, fides quarens intellectum, faith seeking understanding. And what he meant by that, by that immortal statement is this. Faith happens not when we, we finally come to the assurance, all the intellectual assurance that all this is right, the resurrection is true, everything is right in God's kingdom. It doesn't come to us that way. Faith comes to us when we take the risk of stepping out. I mean, listen, if there were no risk, would it even be faith? Of course not. Faith comes by taking steps, by taking steps, stepping into the unknown like a 14-year-old girl who dares to step across the threshold of a completely foreign high school. That's how it happens. And it happens again and again. Now, I'll say to you today, we are people in transition, and we'll always be in transition. Do you know that? We'll always be people in transition who are transitioning from the old life to the new resurrected life. It is a journey. It is every day. That's why I love the dynamism of being a Christian. We're never done. So we're always stepping out. The very word for faith and belief is the same in the Greek. And it, it, all, it all means that one completely entrusts their life to something perhaps they do not yet completely know. Okay, well that's great theoretically. But what does it mean practically to step out that way? Well, the women are told twice. Did you catch that when Evan was speaking? The women are told twice, first by an angel and then by Jesus himself. Tell the disciples to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Oh, the seeing thing again. Tell my disciples to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Well, why Galilee? I mean, they're in the holy city of Jerusalem. Why go out to the, to the boondocks? Well, because that is where they first met Jesus. That's where they first encountered him, where they first fell in love with him and decided to follow him. All of us have our Galilee. You do know that, right? All of us have our Galilee. We go back there to remember who we are. We have to make steps back there over and over again. You know, yesterday I woke up with this. I was thinking about my nieces whom I just adore. Uh, Carrie and Rachel, and have been a part of my life for forever uh, since they were born. And I couldn't think of why I was thinking of them, but then I remembered they were baptized on Holy Saturday in a little hamlet outside of New Orleans. And um, it made me think of them and their mama. Kay was blue all yesterday because Anita, her sister, the mama, could not spend Holy Week with us and sing with the choir she always does. I was thinking about the three of them, and, and they came to faith at a time that the ground underneath them was shaking cataclysmically. Their world was almost shattered, and yet they came to faith during that time. And my, my uh, sister-in-law, Anita, who introduced me to Kay, for which I'll always be grateful, she never knew, but that would lead her to working with behaviorally disturbed children for her entire adult career changing lives of the most vulnerable children. My, my niece, Carrie, this year was, 
was voted outstanding professor in the entire University of Auburn University. Think about that. She's a young woman. And my little niece, Rachel, uh, every day works in the largest intensive care a labyrinth uh, of, of units in the whole state of Alabama, where she works specifically with burn victims and, you've got it, COVID-19 victims. How proud I am of them. How can they do that? Because they have dared to put one foot in front of the other and go back to Galilee. It's the only way that we can do that. I think about Bill Harris, whom Kay and I love so much, uh, spent 21 years in maximum security prisons. 21 years. And was sort of going through it the way prisoners do, learning to get by, you know. Until one day he misstepped and he was put in solitary confinement for months. Months. And in that place where you could have no visitors, Jesus approached him. And he knew it was time for a change. And so he asked if a chaplain could see him. And the prison official said no. And so he asked for a styrofoam cup. And he poured some water into the cup. And he baptized himself. He's never been the same. He's been out of prison 10 years now. Do you know that right now he's driving, he's driving food trucks for HEB so that all of us can eat? He hasn't missed work a single day in 10 years. And he's been married happily now for 29. He's married 19 outside of prison. He's walked back to Galilee. Lieutenant Colonel Vic McLeod called me this week. was one of my best friends. I had two great friends on that emergency deployment force. He was wrecked in, in his missions after I got out when he had to go unaccompanied to the Middle East again and again in the midst of tremendous warfare and, and mess in Lebanon. Um, but uh, when he was serving with me, one day he said his faith was beginning to beginning to. to, to to let loose and begin to falter. And he asked the Lord, if you're truly the Lord, show me my sin. And the Lord showed him his sin. And his, he saw who he was without God. And everything changed. He began to make steps back to Galilee. That's why he called me. And, you know, one of those watching today is a gentleman whom we all respect, who on his, on his anniversary decided that... Um, he was going to get sober. He was going to get sober 42 years ago on the day of his anniversary. And he has not had a drink since. And his marriage has endured. And he has brought hundreds, if not thousands, from drunkenness to sobriety, from death to life. Today, I bet, he's walking, walking back to Galilee. I ask you to join me this Easter. Step out. Put one foot in front of the other and go back to Galilee. Don't miss a golden opportunity.